All right. Well, today I want to share with you a message simply entitled Divine uh, Interruptions. Divine Interruptions. And we want to talk about what does that really mean and what does that look like in our lives this morning. Let's start out with a little definition. So if you're a note taker, you can look on your outline or on your uh, Liberty Church app. And so the first point is simply this. What is a divine interruption? A divine interruption is simply an invitation from God to join him in his work in the earth. A divine interruption is an invitation from God to join him in the work that he is actually doing in the earth. Now, there's a great scripture. It's John chapter 5. I want you to look there with me. We're going to look at verse 16 and 17. And it's the story of the man who for 38 years had an infirmity and he laid by the pool of Bethesda. It's a great story. You ought to go home and read John chapter 5. And he lays by the pool because every year an angel of the Lord would come and touch the pool. The waters would tremble and the first person to get into the water would be healed of whatever infirmity they had. Well, the Bible says there was a man who had been there for 38 years. 38 years and he was still not healed. 38 years and he was still not made whole. And here comes Jesus on the Sabbath day, which was a Saturday for the Jewish people, a Saturday in the Jewish culture, or, or the Sabbath in the Jewish culture is Saturday. And so they come in, Jesus comes in, he sees this man, and Jesus performs a miracle. He tells him to rise up and walk, take his mat, and go home. And the Bible says immediately the Lord heals him, the Lord gives him strength, and the Lord raises him up. Now look at this next verse, because this is where we're going to kind of jump into the story today. Y'all got to listen really good or give me some good volume to overcome the rain this morning. How about that, guys? Y'all good? All right, John chapter 5, verse 16 says this, So the Jewish leaders began harassing Jesus. They began harassing Jesus for breaking the Sabbath rules because you weren't supposed to work on the Sabbath. You weren't supposed to heal people. You weren't supposed to help people. You weren't supposed to deliver people. And this lame man definitely wasn't supposed to be carrying his mat and walking down the road. And so the Bible says they began to harass Jesus for breaking the Sabbath rules. But look at verse 17, one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Look what it says. But Jesus replied, my father is always working and so am I let's read that together Jesus said my father is always working and so am I let me give you some good news today God's always at work God's always at work in your life God's always at work in our world when you see it God's working and when you can't see it God's working when everything is going your way, God's working. And when nothing's going your way, God is working. Stephen talked about seasons this morning. And there are different seasons in our lives. There are seasons when it seems like we can't mess up and everything's flowing our way. And there are seasons when it seems like everything is going the other direction and nothing ever goes our way. Here's the good news. You need to know without a shadow of a doubt, no matter what season you're in, no matter what's going on in your life, God is always at work. God is always at work. Jesus said, my Father is always working. He's working behind the scenes. He's working in the spotlight, and he's working in the darkness. He's working on the top of the hill, and he's working in the deepest, darkest valley. He's working when you feel your best, and he's working when you feel your worst. God is always at work, and Jesus said, and so am I. So I want you to know something today. I want you to know that God 
is always working, and because God is always working, God wants to invite you and me to be a part of His work. God is always working, and because God is always working, God wants to invite you and me to be a part of that work. And that's what I just want to call divine interruptions. Divine interruptions. God will sometimes, let me not say sometimes, God will many times step into your life and He will interrupt the status quo. He'll interrupt your schedule. He'll interrupt your plan. He'll interrupt your dream. He'll interrupt your vision. He'll interrupt your schedule. He'll interrupt your family vacation. He'll interrupt everything that you seemingly have planned and going on. And God will step in to your scheduled, planned, preordained life and He will interrupt you with an invitation to join him and be a part of something that he is doing in the earth. Now let, let me give you two great news. Number one, God is always working in you. And if you're open to the work of the Holy Spirit, God is always working in you. You know the little children's song, it took him just a week to make the sun and the moon, the stars and the sky, but he's still working on me. I can tell you 30 years of pastoring, 35 years of being a child of God, and He's still working on me. God is always working in you. But let me give you something I think that's even more exciting than that. God is always looking for an opportunity to work through you. God doesn't just want to work in you for your good. God wants to work through you for the good of other people. God wants to work through you so that other people can experience the same goodness and grace of God, the saving grace, the deliverance, the power, the healing, the mercy of God that you and I have experienced. God wants to work in you, but even more importantly, I believe God wants to work through you. So God will give us divine interruptions, which are really His invitation to join Him in the work. Now the Bible, when you read the Bible, how many of you love the Bible? Anybody Bible readers in the house? Come on, somebody. If you're not reading the Bible, let me just go ahead and encourage you to read your Bible. Let me just tell you, I could do my job as a pastor for the entire year. I could check mark 2022 as being a success if you would just read your Bible every day. <laughs> That's how important Bible reading is. Bible reading is so important that it is, it is foundational to you living the life God has called you to live. And what's interesting is when you read the Bible... You know what you're going to find out? You're going to find out that when you read the Bible, the Bible is filled with people whose lives were divinely interrupted by the Lord. It's kind of like a rainstorm, and you're sitting in church, and you get rained on. Ain't that right, Emory? And all of a sudden, something starts falling out of the sky, and you got to switch seats because my notebook is getting wet. How many of you know that there are interruptions to life? Come on, guys. How many know there are interruptions to your life? As a matter of fact, you probably didn't get up planning on coming out of the house the way you came out of the house this morning. You probably didn't plan on fighting a rainstorm just to get to church. You probably didn't plan on having to go back in and change because your shoes, ladies, that you put on weren't prepared for the weather that you were wearing, right? And all of a sudden, our lives are full of interruptions. I want you to hear me today. When you read the Bible, you find out the Bible is filled with people whose lives were divinely interrupted by God. And what's interesting about these individuals is these individuals actually become the heroes of the faith. They become the people that you and I look to for inspiration and information on how we're supposed to live our lives. 2,000 years later, we are still looking to these individuals because their lives were divinely interrupted by God so that they could join the work that God was doing in the earth. Something that 
included them, but I want you to hear me today, something that was bigger than them. And that's a powerful, powerful thought. I was just thinking through, and I was, as the Lord gave me this message, I was thinking through some of those people. Think about Noah. Today's a good day to think about Noah. And I didn't plan that one, praise God. That was already pre-prepared by the Holy Spirit, right? Think about Noah. God tells Noah. God interrupts Noah's life. He's doing his business. He's married. He's raising his kids. He's working his job. He's feeding his family. He's taking care of life just like every one of us. And all of a sudden, we don't know how it really happens, but God somehow speaks to Noah, and he says, Noah, I want you to build a boat because it's going to rain. And Noah said, what's rain? Because up to that point, it had never rained. God watered the earth from the mist that came up from the ground, the dew of the ground. It had never rained. And God told Noah, I'm going to send rain and I'm going to flood the earth. So I want you to build this ginormous boat. And I want you to gather all the animals and gather your family because we're going to do a reset and we're going to start over on planet earth. How many know it took Noah 100 years to build that boat? How many know that was an interruption? He still had to feed his family. He still had to raise his kids. He still had to go to work every day. He still had to do all the things that he had to do before God told him to build a boat. But now, on top of doing everything that he was already doing to provide for his family and live his life and take care of his kids, he now had to build a boat that would save the world. And it was going to take him a hundred years to do it. That's an interruption. I thought about Abraham. Abraham is considered the father of our faith. If you know the story of Abraham, God speaks to Abraham and tells him, Hey, Abraham, I'm going to send you to this promised land. Abraham says, Great, where is it? He said, I'll show you when you get there. <laughs> what do you mean you'll show me when you get there? I mean, I've got to put this in my GPS. I've got to map the course. Is that an eight-hour trip? Is that a 10-hour trip? Is that a 15-hour trip? Lord, how long is it going to take? God said, I'll show you when you get there. I need you to go to a country that I've not showed you yet, and I need you to follow me. How many know that was an interruption? How many know there were some weird conversations that happened when Abraham started packing his wife and his kids up and his neighbors started saying, hey, where are y'all going? Well, I'm not really sure. Well, what are you going to do when you get there? Well, I'm not really sure. Well, what's it going to look like? Well, I'm not really sure. Well, what are you sure about? I'm sure God interrupted my life. I'm sure God invited me to do something outside the ordinary, and I don't know the answer, and I don't know the plan. I don't know how long it's going to take to get there. All I know is I've heard from God, and i got to do something that I normally wouldn't do because God's interrupted my life. And then I thought about David. Think about David. David was watching his father's sheep. He was doing what he was supposed to do. He was out there in the, in the, in the, in the wilderness tending the sheep, doing what teenage boys do. And all of a sudden, he gets a messenger from the house. And he says, hey, you got to come back to daddy's house. you got to come home because there's a prophet of God here. And he's going to anoint the next king. And he's already looked at all the other sons. And nobody's, uh, nobody's filled the, the bill of what God wants to do. Maybe you're the next king. And David goes. And sure enough, Samuel says... Hey, this is God's anointed, and he anoints King David. Now, that's an interruption because it pulled him out of the sheepfold, but guess what? Here's the crazy thing. He got anointed to be king while he was still a shepherd, and he had to keep shepherding for years. Boy, that'll mess you up. Every day he got up, packed his bag, went out there to watch the sheep, and he kept thinking, man, I thought I was supposed to be a king. I thought I was supposed to be living in the palace. I thought I was supposed to be telling people what to do. And I'm out here, my daddy's still telling me what to do. My brothers are still picking on me. Man, I don't like this. God, you have messed up my life. It was an interruption. 
it was an interruption. Then you move into the New Testament, you think about Mary and Joseph. I mean, come on, this wonderful little couple, they're engaged, they're, they got all this little puppy love, they're, they're infatuated with each other. I mean, their Facebook pages make you sick. I mean, it's, it's you know, you just looking at them. And all of a sudden, God shows up, and the angel of the Lord appears to Mary and says, Hey, you're going to have a child. She says, How am I going to have a child? I don't know a man. He said, Well, God's going to come on you. The Holy Spirit's going to fill you, and you're going to give birth to the Son of God. How many of you can say interruption? <laughs> That'll mess your plans up. And then Joseph finds out his, his fiance is pregnant, and the Bible says he's going to put her away privately. The Bible, that's a nice way of saying he's going to divorce her and leave her alone. And all of a sudden, an angel of the Lord appears to him and says, Joseph, go ahead. Don't be afraid to take her. Take Mary as your wife because what's within her is conceived by the Holy Spirit. How many know that was an interruption? And then you think about all the disciples. Just think of Peter, James, and John. They're, they're just fishing. They're, they're getting up going to work every day. They're providing for their families. They're doing what they've always done. They're following the trade of their father. And all of a sudden, Jesus shows up and said, I want you to stop fishing for fish, and I want you to start fishing for men. Why don't you come and follow me? Somebody say interruption. And then, of course, there's the Apostle Paul, right? The Apostle Paul, who was Saul, the persecutor of the church. He was a religious man. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He was pursuing God according to his religious understanding. But all of a sudden, on the way to Damascus one day, God strikes him down, knocks him literally off his high horse onto the ground, blinds him for three days, and totally changed the trajectory of his life. How many know that was an interruption? That was not in Saul's five-year plan. And what I want you to see and what I want you to understand is that the heroes of the faith in the Bible were, were individuals whose lives were divinely interrupted by God. So look at that next point on your outline. Ordinary individuals become extraordinary individuals because they responded with faith, determination, and persistence to fulfill the divine interruptions of God. Ordinary people become extraordinary individuals because they responded with faith, determination, and persistence to the divine interruptions of God. I want us to look in Luke chapter 1. It's the story of Mary and Joseph, specifically Mary. And I love this story because I think Mary's life right here is a perfect picture of how we should respond. Listen to what it says. It says, Then Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I don't know a man? And the angel answered her and said, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age, and this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. For with God nothing will be impossible. Y'all read that with me? For with God nothing will be impossible. How many are you thankful for that today? How many are you thankful that with God nothing's impossible? It's not impossible for a barren woman to conceive, and it's not impossible for a virgin to get pregnant. It's not impossible for the sick to be healed, and it's not impossible for the dead to be raised. It's not impossible for a man who lay by a pool for 38 years with an infirmity to be healed in one moment by one word from a living God. It's not impossible for your marriage to be restored, for your children to be saved, for your wayward child to come home. It is not impossible with God. It's not impossible for addictions to be broken. It's not impossible for depression to be broken. It's not impossible for anxiety and fear to be eradicated out of our hearts and our lives because of the goodness and the grace of our God. With God, come on somebody, nothing is impossible. 
And I don't know what season you're in right now, but I want you to know whatever season you're in, God is at work and nothing is impossible with God. And then the Bible goes on. Look at that very next verse, verse 38. I love this verse. It says, Then Mary said, Behold the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. And Mary arose in those days and went to the hill country with haste to a city of Judah and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. So let's talk about how ordinary people become extraordinary individuals. They have to respond, right? We have to respond to the divine interruptions of God, God's invitations to join Him in what He is doing. How do we do that? Three things I believe are specific. Number one, we've got to respond by faith. When you look at all the heroes of the faith, when you look at Noah and Abraham, and you look at Mary and Joseph and David, and you look at the disciples, and you look at Paul, they responded with faith. Several years ago, the Lord kind of spoke this word to me. He said, Keith, he said, I want you to write a yes on your heart. I said, what do you mean by that? He said, I want you to write a yes. I said, what does that mean? He said, when I ask you to do something, I want you to lead with a yes. When I prompt you to witness to somebody, I want you to say yes. When I prompt you to pray for somebody, I want you to say yes. When I prompt you to give money or bless somebody that's in need, I want you to lead with a yes. I want you to write a yes on your heart. See, faith writes a blank check and lets God sign it. Faith writes a blank check and lets God, lets God sign it. Faith says, Lord, I'm going to lead with a yes. And when you open a door, I'm going to say yes. And when you interrupt my schedule for a divine appointment, I'm going to say yes. And when you give me an opportunity to be a part of what you're doing in the earth, I'm going to say yes. I'm not going to be too busy. I'm not going to be too distracted. I'm not going to be too anything, God. I'm going to lead with a yes. I want to ask you a question today. Is there a yes on your heart? When God interrupts your normal schedule to give you an opportunity to do something that He's doing in the earth, do you lead with a yes or do you hesitate with a no? I'm going to be honest with you today. I sometimes hesitate with a no. <laughs> I'll give you a good example just how awesome God is. I've been praying. I've been reading a book called The Insanity of God, which is about persecuted Christians all over the world. And as I was reading that book, I just began to be stirred in my heart. And I just began to pray this prayer. God, I, I want to be, be used by you in more ways. God, help me to open my eyes to be attentive to what you're doing around me so that I can join myself to your work. So a couple weeks ago, some of you guys know I've been riding my bicycle, exercising, doing some things like that, just trying to stay in shape, lose weight, all that good stuff. Two weeks ago, Wednesday morning, typically I ride my bike on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday morning, early in the morning before I go to work. Last Wednesday, I wasn't able to ride my bike. Some things happened. My schedule was interrupted. So lunchtime was rolling around. I thought, hey, I've got one hour. I'm going to take my lunch break. I'm going to go down to Gunnersville. I'm going to hit the trail. I'm going to ride my bike as hard as I can for one hour, get as many miles as I can for one hour, and I'm going to be pointed on purpose. I'm going to do this thing. So I took off last Wednesday on my lunch break. Went to Gunnersville, jumped on my bike, took off down the trail, got to the other end of the trail, started coming back. And when I started coming back, I saw a walker on the trail ahead of me, and all of a sudden I recognized the walker. I knew that man. And the Holy Spirit said, stop and talk to him. And I said, Lord, I got one hour. You know, I miss, I miss, I was supposed to ride for two hours this morning. 
and I missed my ride this morning. I've only got one hour to ride, and I'm going to be do as many miles as I can in one hour. I really don't have time to stop and talk. And the Holy Spirit said, stop and talk to him. And I said, Lord, I got one hour. He said, what have you been praying? <laughs> See, sometimes I'm a little slow. I said, yes, Lord. So I er, slid on my brakes and stopped. Hey, how you doing? Got off my bicycle and talked with this guy for about 15 minutes on the side of the trail. Got to pray with him. And when I got done praying with him, this is what he said. His exact words. He said, Pastor Keith, thank you for stopping and turning around and talking to me. And then he said this. This was a divine appointment. What I thought was an interruption was a divine appointment for him. What interrupted my schedule and my plan was a divine appointment in his life. I want to challenge us today, guys. We've got to lead with a yes. We've got to be willing to let God interrupt our lives for the sake of being a part of what he is doing in the earth. Now, let me just be honest with you. I believe in plans. I believe in schedules. I believe that God is a God of order. Let everything the Bible says be done decently and in order. I believe you ought to have a vision, you ought to have a plan, and you ought to work a schedule. I live by that. But I also believe that in the midst of our plans, sometimes God has a higher plan. And I hope that your daily plan and vision connects you to the work of God. And that makes it even better when what you're doing intentionally is actually connecting you to what God is doing in the earth. But we also have to understand that we have to be willing to be interrupted by the Lord and able to be a part of what God is doing in the earth. And I got back on my little bicycle and I started down the trail and I just said, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. That was so much better than 15 more minutes on a bicycle. It was so much better than what I was going to do and hitting my goal that day physically. It was a divine appointment. And I just want to present to you today, I believe God's got divine appointments for us on a regular occasion. I believe that every day of our life there are opportunities that we have to work the work of God and to join God in what He is doing. We just have to make sure that we are willing to respond with a yes. But not only do we need to respond with a yes, I believe we need to re respond with determination. When you look at the lives of these individuals, not only did they say yes to God, but they also were determined to do the thing God had called them to do. As I was literally praying this morning, the Holy Spirit said this to me. He said, Keith, he said, when you say yes in your heart, that when you say yes by faith, that connects your heart to the work of God. But when you are determined you actually then begin to prepare your hands for the work of God. What do I mean by that? Sometimes God will interrupt you for a momentary 15-minute conversation on the side of a bike trail in Gunnersville. But sometimes God will interrupt you with a divine calling on your life. When I was 19 years old, God called me into the ministry, and that changed my life, and I surrendered the call to preach. 24 years ago, God called us to open the doors of Liberty Church, and that changed our lives. It totally changed the trajectory. So sometimes there's a momentary interruption, and sometimes God interrupts your life to change the entire trajectory of your future. And this is what I want to encourage you in. I see a lot of people that say yes to a call of God, but they're not diligent and determined enough to prepare their hands to do the work of God. See, it requires determination. 
It requires a determined heart that says, hey, if God is calling me to something, then I need to actually prepare myself mentally, spiritually, relationally, financially, intellectually, so I can actually have the skills that are required to do the thing God has called me to do. I meet young men all the time that say, Pastor Keith, I believe God has called me to preach the gospel. And I'll say, awesome. Well, how, what, what are you doing to read the Bible? Well, I don't really have a reading plan, and I'm not really reading the Bible on a regular occasion. Let me just say this to you. You need to say yes with your heart, but then you need to be determined enough to say yes with your hands and begin to cultivate what you're going to need. If God's called you to preach, how many know you ought to read the Bible? Come on, somebody. Just makes sense. And so not only do we say yes with our heart, but there's a determination that says I'm not only going to prepare my heart, but I'm going to prepare my hands, I'm going to prepare my head, I'm going to prepare my life so I can actually do the thing God is calling me to do. And then last but not least, there's a persistence. What I love about Mary is that Mary was there in the beginning, and when Jesus was on the cross and all the disciples had abandoned him except for John, guess who was standing there at the end? Mary, his mother. She persisted, even though the Bible says it was prophesied to her that her heart sorrow because of what was going to happen to her son because he was the son of God and ultimately would die on a cross to save the world. She persisted to the end. Eugene Peterson, he wrote the Message Bible. He's, he, he has a quote that I love, and this is what he said, and I, I've kind of held on to it. He said, anytime, he said, the only way that you can fulfill the call and purpose of God for your life, he said, is through what he calls long obedience. You just got to have long obedience running in the same direction. You got to have long obedience where I'm going to just keep doing what God has called me to do over and over. I'm going to say yes with my heart. I'm going to be diligent and determined with my hands to prepare myself, and then I'm going to keep my feet moving in the same direction. How many know if you change directions every six months, you never really get anywhere? I preached a sermon years ago that simply went like this, that the good news about repentance is that you can start over, right? Isn't that great? You can repent. You can start over forgiveness. The grace of God allows you to start over every time, any time that you need to. It doesn't matter how bad you messed up or screwed up. You can start over in Christ. Can I get an amen from somebody? And the good news about forgiveness and repentance is that you can start over. But the bad news about forgiveness and repentance is that you have to start over. You got to start over financially. You got to start over relationally. You got to start over physically. You got to start over. And yeah, praise God, your sins are forgiven. And God's not holding anything against you, but now you got to start over. So, I mean, you know, better than starting over is staying the course. Can I get an amen? Better than starting over is staying the course. That doesn't mean we don't make mistakes. That doesn't mean we don't fall down and get back up again. It just means we refuse to change course because God has a direction for our lives. So today, let me challenge us with another thought real quick. So just as there are divine interruptions, I want you to see this, there will also be demonic distractions. Demonic distractions are interruptions to God's invitations to join Him. And many times they'll come in the form of a temptation and they usually contradict what God has been saying or doing in your life. Every time there's a divine interruption, which is an invitation from God, there's also a demonic distraction 
that wants to keep you from doing the thing God has called you to do. Many times it's a temptation, right? You're tempted to do something exactly the opposite. How many know the word temptation is not necessarily connected to sin? The word temptation, James actually says this. When we are tempted, he says, we are drawn away. And yes, the moment I'm drawn away from what God wants me to do, that becomes sin. But I want you to understand something. Satan will tempt you with good things and bad things. Every time God invites you to be a part of something he's doing, there's a demonic distraction to turn you away from it. Satan wants to draw you away from the path that God has you on. And let me just be honest with you. I've seen just as many people drawn away by prosperity as I have seen people drawn away by poverty. I've seen just as many people drawn away by health as I have drawn away by sickness. I've seen just as many people drawn away by good things that distracted them as well as bad things that overcame them. So you've got to understand something. When God interrupts your life to invite you to be a part of something He is doing, whether it's a momentary encounter or whether it's changing the trajectory of your life, you've got to understand there are always going to be demonic interruptions or demonic distractions to turn us away and the truth is let's just be honest with ourselves today we are probably the most distracted generation on planet earth I mean and our distractions are all right here right in the palm of our hand man we're distracted around the dinner table we're I mean you get in an elevator with somebody and everybody's looking down you go look at restaurants people are sitting there eating dinner together and they're all looking down you go to office buildings and look at office complex and they're all looking down. And the realization, if we're not careful, we're going to be distracted by what's in our hand and we're going to miss what God's doing around us in our lives. Nothing wrong with technology. I love technology. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a geek. I love it. But the realization is I've got to recognize, and you do too, that I cannot allow anything to draw me away from what God is wanting to do in my life. And when God interrupts my status quo, when God interrupts my schedule and my agenda and my plan for the day, I have to be willing to say yes to Him. So let me challenge us. I'm going to wrap with this. I want to challenge us with three what-ifs. Three what-ifs. The first one is simply this. What if instead of living with our heads down, so engulfed in our schedule, our plan, and our agenda, that we actually lift up our eyes and open our ears to the invitations of God. What if instead of living with our heads down, we actually lifted our eyes? What if we begin to look around and recognize that every day there was an opportunity for God to use us in ways, think about this, that we had not thought about or planned for? Let's be honest, you've all had some divine encounters, right, where God has used you and spoke through you and ministered through you and you crossed the paths with people and things happened that were amazing, supernatural, and even miraculous. All because God interrupted your schedule. All because God had something planned that was bigger than your plan for the day. And if I'm not willing to be interrupted by the Lord, then I'm going to miss out on those divine interruptions. In 1 Samuel chapter 3, it's the story of Samuel the prophet. He's a young man. He's growing up in the house of the Lord. And God speaks to him three times. And three times, he doesn't understand the voice of God. He thinks it's Eli the priest. And he goes to Eli. And finally, after the third time, Eli says, Hey, Samuel, if you hear the voice again, say, Speak, Lord, for your servant listens. What if every day we led with that? 
What if every day we said, Lord, please speak today. Open my ears that I can hear and open my eyes that I can see the invitations of heaven. God, I don't want to live with my head down so consumed in what I have to do that I miss out on what you're wanting to do through me in somebody else's life. And again, this doesn't mean we don't have a plan and a schedule. It just means that God's plan and schedule trumps ours. And we're willing to be interrupted by Him so He can do things that we could never plan being done. Amen? Y'all still with me? What if, look at that second one. What if instead of being so upset because things didn't go as planned, we actually started acting like we believed the Bible? What if instead of being so upset, I don't know about you guys, I do love a plan, and I love a schedule, and I love an agenda, and I love a to-do list, and I get up every day and I know what I'm supposed to do and where I'm supposed to be and who I'm supposed to meet with before I ever leave the house. And what I recognize, if I'm not careful... When things don't go as planned, I'll get upset. And if I'm not careful, I'll get so upset and frustrated because things didn't go the way I thought they were supposed to go that I will actually disqualify myself from being used by God. Have you ever got so upset because there was a flat tire you didn't plan on? How many know you never plan on a flat tire? Can I get an amen? Aren't you glad you didn't have a flat tire in this rain this morning? Come on, thank you, Jesus. And if you did, I'm really sorry. I love you. <laughs> Have you know life is filled with unexpected interruptions? From flat tires to, to blown up washing machines to relationship chaos to unplanned, unexpected sickness and disease. It could be numbness in your legs. Ain't that right, Stephen? Even after you had surgery to have it corrected. It could be a lot of different things. An unexpected cancer diagnosis. All the things that happen. And here's the challenge. The challenge is not to be so upset by what is unplanned that we disqualify ourselves from being used by God. You and I can get so frustrated and so upset because things didn't go the way we want them to go that even though God drops a divine opportunity in front of us, we got such a bad attitude, we couldn't pray with anybody, we couldn't witness anybody, and we couldn't encourage anybody because we're so distraught over what didn't work the way we wanted it to work. I'm just going to tell you, I did not love this rain while I'm preaching over it today, okay? So I got to decide, am I going to be upset because I'm screaming at the top of my lungs, or am I going to be excited about the fact that you're still sitting here in the midst of this rain? I'm excited you're here. Come on, somebody. That's good news to me. So we got to settle that. We've got to act like we believe the Bible. Let me give you three scriptures that are just awesome, three things you and I should hang our hats on. Psalms 37 verse 23 says this, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Now let me just tell you something, just in case you don't know this. You're not good because of your goodness, but you're good because of His grace. Amen? And God orders our steps. How many of you believe that God actually orders your steps? How many of you believe that if you actually pray and believe and commit your day to the Lord, that God actually goes before you and makes your way prosperous? Anybody believe that? So if you believe that God orders your steps, then when there's an unexpected interruption, maybe God's in it. 
If there's an unexpected error, I'm not saying God causes evil. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying maybe God can take anything and everything that comes your way and use it for your good. That's what Romans 8, 28 says. You ought to look at it on the screen. And we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose, right? We know that all things work together for the good. How many of you have ever went through a horrible situation and thought this is the worst thing that could have ever happened and six months or maybe six years on the other side of it you look back and you actually thank God for the opportunity of coming through that because it shaped you forged you and fashioned you into the person you are today to walk in what God has you ever had that happen I have I've had it happen you know why because all things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose do you love God? Are you called according to His purpose? Are you committed with a yes in your heart to follow the path God has? Then recognize that divine interruptions are sometimes God's intervention in your life to join Him in what He's doing. There's one more scripture. It's a great scripture. It's out of the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 50. It's the story of Joseph was betrayed by his brothers, was sold into Egyptian slavery. Look what the scripture says. And Joseph said to them, do not be afraid, for I am in the place of God. That's a powerful statement. I am in the place of God. Look what he says in the next verse. He says, but as for you, you meant evil against me. He said, guys, your heart was evil. <laughs> and you sold me into slavery because you were against me, and you were in sin, and you were in rebellion against God. But look what he says. He says, but as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about as it is this day and to save many people alive. Joseph came to the place after being betrayed and rejected by his brothers, sold into slavery, living in prison, where he finally realized that he was in the place of God. And all those unexpected interruptions were divine invitations for him to be a part of something bigger than what he could have ever envisioned or imagined in his life. You know what I found out in my life? I found out there are some divine detours that God takes us on that we would have never planned or picked for ourselves. And I found out it's in those divine detours that God many times put me right where I needed to be. And like Joseph, I could many times look up and say, I am in the place of God. This is where God wants me to be. It's not where I plan to be. It may not even be where I wanted to be. But this is the place God has for me. At least in this time and in this season. Let me give you one last what if and we're going to close with this. What if winning souls, making disciples, and destroying the works of the devil? That's our mission statement here at Liberty Church. What if winning souls, making disciples, and destroying the works of the enemy became more important than, and you get to fill in that last blank. What if winning souls, making disciples, and destroying the works of the enemy was more important than hunting or fishing or shopping or exercising or riding your bicycle? What if it was more important than the promotion or the prosperity that you're chasing after? What if it was more important than fame and more important than fortune? What if it was more important than your daily schedule and your daily agenda? What if winning souls, making disciples, and destroying the works of the enemy was more important than anything? Now, here's the good news. God doesn't have a problem with any of those things. God loves to hunt, loves to fish, and I think he even likes shopping, ladies, so that's a good thing. God's not against any of those things. But he has a problem when those things take precedence over his will and his work in our lives. One of the greatest honors we have is that God actually invites us to be a part of his work. I, I don't know about you. I, there, there's a great preacher, uh, J. Vern McGee, an old, old Baptist pastor, and he made a statement one time. He said, if you knew me the way I knew me, 
He said, you wouldn't sit here and listen to me preach. He said, but hold on just a second, because if I knew you like you know you, I wouldn't waste my breath preaching to you. <laughs> See, the truth is, we're all just a little bit messed up and screwed up. And we've all come short of the glory of God, and we are saved by His grace, filled with His Spirit, and we've been redeemed by His power. And the fact, think about this, the fact that God wants us to join Him is amazing. The fact that God would invite Keith Hodges to be a part of anything that he's doing in the earth boggles my mind to this day. I am humbled by the fact that God would dare and risk his reputation and his kingdom for the sake of inviting me to be a part of it. And that's a humbling thing. It's a powerful thing to think that the God of heaven and earth wants you and me to be a part of what he's doing. And it's a good thing that he's doing in the earth. Amen? It's a good thing that he's doing. Let's just bow our heads today. I want to just challenge you this morning. Are you distracted? Are you so distracted by the things of this world, by your own plan, your own agenda, your own schedule? Are you so distracted by the temptations or the lust of your flesh? Are you so distracted by what you want that you can't see and hear what God is saying in your life. Every day, I believe we have some divine interruptions, some invitations from God just to join Him. Big things, little things, life-changing things, and seemingly insignificant things to us. But what I thought was an interruption on a bike trail was a divine appointment in somebody else's life. And I want to just challenge you today. If you are distracted, why don't we just, just ask God, Lord, right now, forgive me. Why don't we begin just to cast down those distractions? And again, it's not that God's against those things. He's just against those things taking precedence over Him in your life. So maybe there's some things that have, that have risen a little too high in your heart. Maybe there are some things that have taken precedence over the promptings of the Holy Spirit and today you just need to cast them down. Just bring them down and bring them under the authority of Jesus. So Lord, right now we commit all these distractions to you. Our busyness, our dreams, our aspirations. Lord, they're good and they're even of God, but Lord, may they never, may they never drown out your voice. May they never take precedence over you, the promptings of your spirit in our life. So, Lord, today we say yes. And, Lord, right now I ask you to write a yes on our hearts. That each one of us would just literally say yes to you. God, that we would lead with a yes. That we would be determined, Father, to do the work with our hands. And that we would persist with our feet walking in the path you've called us to walk in. Lord, I thank you that Liberty Church is a church made of ordinary people who are doing extraordinary things for your kingdom. And I thank you, God, that it's bigger and better than we ever even imagined. So I pray your blessing and favor over us today as you strip away the distractions and as you interrupt our lives for your glory. Now, maybe you're here this morning and maybe you're watching online and you realize you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You've never been what Jesus called being born again. 
The Bible says that today is the day of salvation. God is always at work. And I believe he's working right now in the hearts and lives of everyone in this room and those watching online that if you've never been born again, you've never given your life to Christ, you've never said yes to him, today's your day. And if today is the day you want to be saved, you want to accept Christ, have your past forgiven and your future secure in Jesus Christ, then today I want you just to raise your hand and say, today, Pastor Keith, I want to be saved. I want to accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. This is your opportunity just to slip your hand up. Say, today's my day. I want to be born again. If you're watching online, you can just type in that chat box. I'm raising my hand. Hit that little hand emoji. Just slip your hand up. Whatever you got to do to acknowledge that today is my day. Today, I'm accepting Christ. So let's just pray this prayer together. Let's say it out loud. Everybody here in the room with me and those of you watching online, if you raised your hand online, this prayer is for you. Let's say it together. Dear Heavenly Father, I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sins, took my place. I confess that I have sinned. And I have come short of the glory of God. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart and my life. Be my Lord and my Savior. I want to be born again. And I want to live for Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise today. Amen. Well, we love you so much. Let me give you one final announcement. If you want to help our youth uh, and you want to uh, purchase you a watermelon for tomorrow, hopefully it won't be raining tomorrow and you can enjoy some celebration, uh, you can slip out the back door to my left, go through the cafe and out the door there. There's an awning out back. Yes, sir, Nick? Do what? And we're going to move the Grow One class into the cafeteria, okay? So Grow One class is going to be in the cafeteria. Out back under the awning is the watermelons. God bless you today. We love you guys. Have a great day in the Lord and stay dry. Come on, somebody.